Hello, my name is Michael D'Angelo. Welcome to Let This Mind Be In You. Or, if you are a return listener, welcome back. This is a ministry founded on proclaiming the gospel to the lost and exhorting Christians to remember that we have the mind of Christ. So let this mind be in you. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe with all your friends and family. And if you would like to reach me, you can reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. I also have a Facebook page. You can find that at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries. Just search for that. Also, you can find me on YouTube at Let This Mind Be In You. And hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to Let This Mind Be In You. I'm Brother Michael D'Angelo here with you on another Thursday night. And yes, the background is different. I decided to... um, Instead of moving a bunch of stuff around, I decided that I was just going to head and uh, uh, film this direction. So, in behind you, behind me, you can see that uh, that I have the kitchen here, and uh, the kitchen island is right back here. And um, that's so I'm sitting in the dining room, kitchen, and the living room is right over here to to my right. So everything is all within this one room. Couple uh, the slide outs uh, come out, so that's one slide out that goes out that way, and then the one that basically I'm sitting in right now goes the other way. So, um, anyways, who cares, right? <laughs> but if you're wondering, yes, uh, it is a little bit of a different background. It just makes it a little bit easier to move some stuff around. Um, it minimizes, in fact, the stuff I need to move around. So. Let's get over here to uh, the YouTube page and um, Facebook Live to see if we have people joining in already. I saw Brother Ken over there. Brother Tom uh, is uh, uh, Boynton is over there on YouTube. YouTube people starting to come in, so that's good to see. Good to see everybody tonight. I don't have to work tomorrow, so that's pretty nice. Seems to be a pretty significant lag. Um, it, it's not in the stream. It's everything seems to be working okay this week, uh, but uh, a little bit on the Facebook side. Nope, it just caught up. So that's good. So there's always a a delay. Uh, it just doesn't go exactly live as I'm talking right now, and you, you're seeing it exactly when I'm speaking it. There is uh, usually about a thirty to forty second delay. So all seems to be going well there. My recorder is recording. Praise the Lord. Everything is going well so far. And I'm not dropping any frames tonight, so that's a blessing. All right, well, we're back into Revelation chapter 3. I'll take some comments and different things at the end. Um, I'll, I'll try to check it along the way if somebody has something to say. So go ahead and please leave a comment that you're here and uh, say hello, as some have already done so over there on YouTube. But please do so on over here on Facebook. My wife is saying that everything sounds great, so it'll be good to see who all comes in tonight, if any does at all. However, you can always go back and look at these uh, at any time at your at your leisure, and you can also check me out on the any of the podcasting streams uh, platforms under Let This Mind Be in You Ministries podcast. With that being said, let's get back into the book of Revelation uh, again. Revelation rightly divided tonight. We're going to be talking about Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. A few things to point out and. Um, A couple of these, um, Brother Ken sent me, and I appreciate that, brother. 
So we're going to look at some more differences between us, the body of Christ, and who it seems to who this is being written to. Present tense, of course, remember John is writing this letter. Jesus told him to write these things to the seven angels at the seven churches, and these, these are obviously the churches that are around whenever the date is uh, that John is on the Isle of Patmos, uh, whenever that is, whatever date, uh, you know, some say it's around 90 AD, I don't know, um, maybe somewhere around there, but he's writing to these churches, he's going to send these letters out, and uh, as he sends this letter out, uh, the revelation of Jesus Christ, he, he, and he sends these things out, there's obviously churches present. And remember, we talked about in context what churches mean. It doesn't always mean what we're talking about now. It's a congregation, a set-aside congregation of, of believers, a set-aside congregation like the, the, the church in the wilderness we saw coming out of Egypt, and that was the nation of Israel when they came out of bondage. Um, so we're looking at that and also looking at the connotation of what who would be gleaning from this. And, of course, we're talking about in a future tense, um, is this for us now in, in as far as not instruction in righteousness, but for our doctrine? Well, as we've already seen with the first uh, four churches that we discussed last week, I don't believe so. We can glean a lot of good instruction in righteousness, uh, reproof, correction, of course, uh, especially when it talks about like Laodicea and different things like that. But what we can't do is make this about us as far as now the body of Christ, uh, the uh, as we preach the word here, given to, and, and, and I keep going back and forth, obviously talking about how the differences between what the Apostle Paul, our Apostle, the one that had the, as we preach according to the revelation of the mystery that he gave us, now us, the body of Christ, as opposed to what is being preached by the disciples, there seems to be differences. So we're just pointing those out and uh, seeing what the Bible has to say. So we'll, we'll do a few more of those tonight, hopefully get through all of chapter uh, 3, and then beginning next week, and for the foreseeable future, I'm not going to take it as a um, chapter by chapter necessarily. Now, we'll read through it, uh, but uh, we, we may bounce around a little bit, and just to show the fact that um, the book of Revelation doesn't go chronologically. It bounces like it'll, it'll foreshadow something, and then it'll give more specific detail later on. It'll say something that will happen... Like and it'll give a brief description of that, and then it'll give a more of a in-depth description of of that event. And uh, sometimes people get that confused, and they and they show they think it's all along a, a smooth, seamless timeline, and it's not. So, anyways, Revelation chapter three, uh, we'll look at the last three churches here. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis, write these things, saith he that hath the seven spirits of God. That's interesting. And the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast the name, that thou livest, and art dead. Okay. First little thing I want to talk about. We were once dead. Okay? We were dead in trespasses and sins. Apostle Paul says we were dead, spiritually speaking. But he has quickened us, that's uh, in Ephesians, and it made us alive. He has made us new creatures in Christ Jesus. We were once dead, but now are alive in him. We were crucified as far as our sins, as we showed last week, you know, the, the, the sins, uh, or that might have been, 
Again, I teach a lot. So anyways, uh, we've been brought up like our when of our sins as far as taking care of so we can have a new body, there's differences of when that event happens as well. And if you're, that's uh, talking about Jesus prophesied through the Bible, especially talking about Acts chapter 3. Peter says your sins are blotted out when the days of uh, refreshing uh, come about. That's Acts chapter 3. On the day of refreshing, and that seems really strange. That's when your these sins are blotted out. He's preaching this. The sins may be blotted out. Uh, this is going to happen. Uh, you're going to you're going to have, you know, in verse 19 of Acts chapter three, repent ye therefore and be converted, and your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and He shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you. Well, that seems strange. When does Jesus Christ come again? Well, the second time He comes again is the called the second coming. It's to set up his millennial reign, and then their sins are blotted out. I, that's when they get their new bodies. That's what it's talking about. They don't get their new bodies yet. As we'll go through the book of Revelation, there's souls under the altar. But we have we are caught up, according to Paul. We which are alive remain are caught up. These, these things happen beforehand, and we'll get to all that. But when it talks about here, I know thy works, in verse number one of Revelation chapter three, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead, it seems really strange. It's a strange thing for me to hear, because I was dead, but now I've been made alive in Christ. Now, of course, you know, we're all we're dead in trespasses and sins, and now the, and then even Paul talks about how we're dead to sin, where we don't live any longer therein. But it just seems like a interesting that says that thou livest and art dead. So faith without works, of course, James says this. This is an epistle that James writes to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. He starts out his epistle that way and says faith without works is dead. Seems like this is kind of like the same connotation. Okay, not making any kind of assertions there. It just it seems similar language to the Apostle James. Of course, it would be. All right. Be watchful, verse number two, and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Hmm. Remember, therefore, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, okay, let's pay attention now, I will come on thee as a thief, that's a word we're going to look at, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Now, no man knoweth the day or the hour. Does that sound familiar? Of course, that's what Jesus tells his apostles when he's on this earth. No man knoweth the day or the hour. He even says, here, um, turn over to, um, well, let's let's, let's uh, go first to see this, this idea of a thief, okay? Turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I don't want to get... Like to belaboring these facts, I just want to really quickly show these things. First Thessalonians, if I can find it in my Bible, it's coming up. It's there somewhere. First Thessalonians, chapter five, and let's start. Go ahead and reading in verse number one. But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, remember Paul writes the church in Thessalonica because. They're kind of freaked out. He said, look, I've, I'm, I'm writing you this letter to, um, to tell you you don't need to be freaked out. The resurrection hasn't already passed. 
there's some things that are going to happen first, and then there's going to be what's known as the first resurrection. Remember, Paul was very versed in Old Testament prophecy. We may talk about that later, but anyways. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord... That's interesting. Whenever you see the day of the Lord, just in context, what is it talking about? So cometh as a thief in the night... That's the same language that John uses. So this must be the same event. Let's keep looking. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. We'll see a woman with child later on in this prophecy, this book of Revelation. And they shall not escape, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. That day is not going to overtake you as a thief because you won't be at that day. And I'll tell you why. He Keep going. Ye are all... The children of light and the children of the day, we are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Okay? For they that sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and, and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath. And if anybody tries to tell you that Daniel's 70th week, any part of it, is not wrath, they need to read it. It is all God's wrath. Only he can pour out that wrath. Only he opens the seals, as we'll see here in a few chapters. But it says here, we're not appointed to that, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Our, our sins, as I'm finishing my point earlier, the, the sins are blotted out. Our sins are blotted out, though, when they're nailed. The ordinances are nailed to the cross. So we receive a new body. Our resurrection is not what's known as the first resurrection. It's the capturing away of the body of Christ. Some call it the rapture. Who died for us that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. And, and we'll talk about later that, you know, in a moment, in a twinkling of the eye, Paul talks about this event as being something different. This day of the Lord, this things that are going to happen aren't going to overtake you as a thief. But it seems like that Jesus, remember, this is Jesus saying to, for John to write these things, saying for them to repent, if therefore thou shalt not watch, we're back in verse 3 of Revelation 3, I will come on thee as a thief. Wait, we can't be overtaken as a thief, but yet Jesus is saying to this group that they can be. That's very interesting. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. No man knoweth the day or the hour, right? This, he's going to come, you know, two people are going to be working in a field, all these kinds of things that Jesus said during his earthly ministry. But Paul never says, mentions any of this stuff. He said, look, that day is not going to overtake you as a thief. It's not going to happen. You're resurrected before that. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive remain are gone before this event happens. Okay, well then how can these people even have the threaten or have the, the thought that this, they can be overtaken as a thief? And as we will see, as we look through the book of Revelation, as they get closer to the end of the time of Jacob's trouble, at the end of Daniel's 70th week, if they are not careful and they don't overcome, they don't endure to the end, he is going to come as a thief when they're not watching and when they're not waiting and they're going to like, that's going to happen to them. That's why he's saying, watch, be, be watchful, therefore, repent, I'm coming soon. I'm gonna, if, if you're not watching, I'm going to come upon you as a thief. Paul says, though, he won't, that day won't overtake us as a thief. 
Interesting. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 16 in uh, verse number 15. So we're going to skip ahead just a tad bit. Revelation chapter 16 and verse number 15. The Bible says here, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Huh. And he gathered them together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue Armageddon. See, this is at the end of Daniel's 70th week. This is towards the end. This is things are happening. And he's saying, you need to watch. You need to be uh, watching and keeping your garments. Keeping your garments. What does that have to do with anything? My garments are secure. <laughs> he, he, is, he has clothed me in righteousness, his righteousness. When I, I, There's no reason that, other than the fact that we should not let continue in sin that grace may abound, that I need to be watching my garments. He's the one that seals us. Look at uh, this is a different time. Now, that, remember, I said they need to look at the context of the day of the Lord. But let's look at what I believe is a different um, use of the term. Same use of the term, but a different day. Second Peter chapter three verses ten through thirteen. Look at it over there, real quick. Second Peter chapter three verse ten. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. And the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Now, this is a different time. This is at the end of the millennial reign, after Gog and Magog rise up. We'll see all this. But it's dissolved, and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, this is Peter writing again, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. There will be righteousness again on this new earth. That's what they're looking forward to, by the way. That's their promised possession. But you can see this in Revelation chapter 21. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in him in peace without spot or blameless. Watch your garments. Nation, remnant Israel, ones that are going through the time of Jacob's trouble, you need to watch. That's for doctrine. But for our doctrine, our garments are secure. We're not looking for this day of the Lord that's going to overtake us as this thief in the night. That's not for us. Now, some may disagree, and that's okay. Let's keep reading. Verse number four. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis which have not defiled their garments. Hmm. Seemed to be that they were watching them, and they haven't defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Huh. So what does this have to do with anything? And it has to do, I believe, biblically, with rewards. Rewards for when? When are they going to be walking and serving with him and ruling and reigning with him? This is a millennial kingdom promise. Those that are watchful, those that, uh, like you think about the ten virgins and the ones that have their lamps filled and, and are waiting and watching for the, for the, the groomsmen to come. They're, they're waiting on them. Uh, they are worthy and will walk with me in white. You mean like white raiment? Mm-hmm. Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 4. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold. And these same right here will talk about these four and twenty elders. Thou hast made us priests and kings, 
We've talked about that already. Revelation chapter 6 and verse number 11. Let's look at this white, clothed in white here. And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren. Oh, I wonder if that's brethren in the flesh, maybe of a nation, maybe, that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. These are the ones that are crying. These are the ones on the altar, uh, verse number 10. Uh, how, when are you going to avenge our blood? What do we have to do with vengeance? The answer is nothing. Revelation chapter 7, verse number 9 through 14. Revelation 7, verse 9 through 14. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and peoples and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. Now that's fascinating. Who else had palms in their hands when a king came in? What they said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the king, and laid palm branches down. Huh. Palms in their hands, huh? That's not us, folks. That's the nation looking for their king. Now he came in the first time riding upon a donkey. And when he came in, they laid palms. You know, we just we just had what some secular people and some religious traditions call Palm Sunday. They call it that for a reason, because they laid down palm branches and they're clothed in the streets so that, you know, he would be coming in, by the way, as prophesied to the day he would come in. But they denied him. Several days later, they said to crucify him. We will not have this man to rule over us, they said. Crucify him. But the next time he comes with palms, branches, they're going to be waving. He's coming on a white horse, king of kings and lord of lords. Huh. And cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders. Remember, angels doesn't necessarily mean angelic beings all the time. And about the elders and four beasts and fell before the throne in their face and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes, and whence came they? And I said unto him, John speaking here, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They're watching their raiments, huh? They haven't defiled their garments, huh? They're worthy, huh? They're going to walk with him in white. Interesting. All right, go back to Revelation chapter 15 and verse number 6. We'll read one more before we go back to Revelation 3. Revelation chapter 15. I'm having trouble turning pages tonight. Revelation 15. And by the way, if the stream is going pretty well, which I think it is, um, we're, we may go a little bit later tonight and see how long it takes us to get through this, but, um, Hey mom, she's, she's here. Thank you, mom, for joining me. Revelation chapter 15 in verse number six. And the seven angels came out of the temple. Hmm. Wait, wait, let's go back. Verse number five. And after that I looked, and behold, the temple of the tabernacle of the testimony in heaven was opened. So out of this temple, this tabernacle, hmm, came these seven angels out of the temple, having the seven plagues, clothed in pure and white linen, and having their breasts 
girded with golden girdles. Huh. And one of the four beasts gave unto the seven angels seven golden vials full of the wrath of God. Well, now, who's subject to wrath? Not us. Okay. Who liveth forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from the glory of God and from his power, and no man was able to enter into the temple till the seven plagues of the seven angels were fulfilled. Huh. A temple, huh? That sounds very... That sounds very Jewish. But these <laughs> seven angels, as I said, what, who are these seven angels of the seven churches? We're talking about the last three tonight. Just something fascinating for you to keep looking at. Here's something else that's interesting. Go back to Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 5. He that overcometh. Okay, so that's this a stipulation. He that overcometh, the same shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my God, or before my Father, and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Really quick, let's go back to Revelation chapter 22. Turn all the way back to Revelation chapter 22 and verse number 19. People struggle with this verse. People struggle with this verse because they don't rightly divide. Verse number 19, And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, not watchful, hmm, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. The holy city? You mean that that new earth and and from the things that are written in this book. So all these blessings that for those that read this book and, and his promises that for them that overcome and watchful and, and, and watch their raiments in, in the blood and do these good works and do all these kinds of things and are overcome and be faithful even unto death. You get your head cut off, it doesn't matter. You're coming back to rule and reign with him. Revelation chapter 19 says so. Okay. So when you see this blotting blot out his name out of the book of life. That's not us, folks. The Bible says, Paul says in his, in, it, that we are sealed until the day of redemption. Now, when somebody says you can lose your salvation, ask them what that day is. And what they'll say is, well, that's, I guess they're going to try to spiritualize it. I don't know what they would try to, how they try to convince themselves that they can lose their, quote unquote, you know, quote unquote, lose their salvation. But when it says, until the day of redemption, it's talking about the redemption of our body. And as I said before, our sins are blotted out already. The ordinances that were against us are nailed to his cross. The difference is, though, that's when we get resurrected. We, that's our day of redemption. And so until that day, you're sealed. And after that day, there's no more sin because he gives you a new body. <laughs> so there's no, more, there's no more possibilities of your name being blotted out of this book of life. Which, by the way, everybody's... Paul talks about the book of life. He talks about the, his fellow laborers that are, that are in the book of life. Your name is written down in the book of life. It's sealed there. But some, again, this is not for us, so it confuses me, too, to this extent that it's not talking about us, but apparently some people can get their name blotted out, according to Revelation 22, verse 19. They can take away their part out of the book of life. Now, I've heard some people say, well, that's where their name would have went, but he's going to take away that part out of there. 
could be, possibly. But when you go back to Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 5, seems like some are not going to get their name blotted out of the book of life. But he will confess this, their name before, his, before my father and before his angels. So if you have a year, let's listen to it, okay? Does that sound like us, the body of Christ, or does that sound like somebody that's not us? Now, you can, it's okay. As I said at the beginning of this study, if we are kind of confused and like we just, mm, that doesn't seem, I can't make uh, sense of that, that's okay. Because things are spiritually discerned, and maybe, just maybe, just follow me along here, maybe the reason why all these things don't make complete sense to us and we can't fathom, excuse me, can't fathom that is because it's not for us doctrinally. So don't try to take it doctrinally, or else you're going to try to like confuse and say, well, we can lose our salvation today. No, you can't. Some say you can't lose it even during that time. I'm, I'm not disagreeing or agreeing with anybody, but what I'm saying to you is, is that we know the things that are spiritually discerned to us, and for us to continue in the doctrine in which was passed down to us, Paul tells Timothy to do that and to find faithful men that will be doing that, and for us to continue to stand fast in the doctrine which he gave us. So I'm going to do that. Just today, somebody uh, texted me and was asking about a certain topic that's sometimes controversial. Um, has to do with the shape of the earth. And I wrote back to him, I said, you know, when somebody tries to have that argument with me, I'm just like, okay, whatever you believe, well, you know, and they'll, they'll say whatever, you know, the Bible disproves or proves this one way or the other, this, that, and the other thing. I said, now, if you can show me in the Pauline epistles anywhere where Paul mentions the shape of the earth as something that we need to fight about doctrinally for today, I will listen to you. If not, okay, you can believe what you want. Same thing goes for when we're looking through our epistles for us today, for our doctrine that we're supposed to stand fast to and hold fast to. Where does it say that we're going to have our names blotted out or of the, of the book of life? Or where does it say that we have to endure to the end? Does it say we get overtaken as a thief or not? And that's my point. We need to rightly divide the word of truth. And when we rightly divide, you'll find out very quickly, let the Bible speak for itself, and you rightly divide, you won't put yourself in this time. So if it doesn't make sense to you, that's okay. A lot of this stuff in here is going to be weird and doesn't make sense to me either. I scratch my head. I'm like, I don't know what they're talking about here. You know, scorpions and different things. Like, it sounds really wild to me. But when it comes down to our doctrine, the stand fast in, I'm going to stand fast in that, that I cannot lose my salvation because it's not upon me to keep it. He's sealed me unto the day of redemption. I asked myself a, a question as I was you know, trying to find biblically whether or not I could lose my salvation. This was several years ago. I finally had to come to the realization, when is that day of redemption? Uh, he gives us a Holy Spirit, and wherein by we are sealed unto the day of redemption. What day is that? And when I finally realized scripturally, that that is when I get my new body. At the blessed hope, at the catching away, when the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Revelation, or 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that this corruption 
This corruptible flesh will put on incorruption, will be changed in a moment and twinkling of an eye. That's the day of redemption. He's going to redeem what he gave us, the earnest payment for of the Holy Spirit, which is this body, the temple which we are. Huh. All right. Verse number seven. We're never going to get through this chapter if I don't hurry. All right. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, of course, Philadelphia, you know, you know this famous city in, um, in Pennsylvania, you know, brotherly love. Philadelphia, right. These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David. Interesting, because he's going to sit on the throne of David. Once again, another promise for a millennial reign. He that openeth and no man shutteth and, sh and shutteth and no man openeth. He opens, he's got the keys. He's the only one, as John's going to weep bitterly here shortly, because no man can open up these seals, and Jesus can. Because no man could find it, couldn't do that, but he's got the keys. He can do it. He's the one that opens up the first seal, the wrath, the Antichrist. That's when the Antichrist shows up and is revealed. I digress. I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse number eight. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hath not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not. I don't have time to go into this. But there was people thinking to that day, just because they are a Jew, that they, are, they, are, they get all the promises. And that is not true either. You needed to be believing Israel, remnant Israel, the very few people... I say this all the time to some people they ask, and I said, when Jesus was going through the nation, how many people actually believed who he said he was and who all was just following him just to watch him do miracles? There was only a couple people at the foot of the cross. Yeah. There's very few that actually believed. Now you'll say, well, in Acts chapter 2 and so forth and so on, many thousands, yes, many thousands of millions around the world, uh, that's not very many. It's remnant, meaning a small select few. And that's not, uh, that's not many names. It says, Jesus said, you know, wide is the, gate, you know, the way, the, the path that leads to destruction. And he's talking about narrow is the way, that, you know, of course, I'm paraphrasing, but that's narrow. And he says, that narrow road, few be there that find it. It's very few. So not all them that say they're of the synagogue are Jews. They say they're Jews and are not, but do lie. This isn't some sort of saying like, well, you know, you know, there are people now that call themselves, uh, uh, you know, replaced Israel, the church is now new Israel, and so forth and so on, and people like to say, well, see, those are people calling themselves Jews and are not, and I agree, they're not. In the body of Christ, there is no Jew or Gentile. There's no nationality. If you're in him, you're one. Uh, but this is speaking specifically about those that thought that they were of, you know, they were privy to all these promises of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but they weren't. They're of the synagogue of Satan. Just like Jesus said to the religious leaders of that day, those that knew the law, forwards and backwards, he said, you're whited sepulchers, full of dead men's bones, and he called them, you are of your father, the devil. They're of the synagogue of Satan. 
which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. When is this going to happen? This is going to happen in the millennial reign. Now, the only ones that survive the millennial reign and are not cast into hell for the, you know, uh, at the judgment of the sheep and goats, there will be people that are born during that time frame. Okay? And as they're born, they have a decision to make. And there's going to be those many multitudes of Gog and Magog that are going to come against them. But all these nations of the world are going to come in and worship before the feet or come and bring their worship to Jesus Christ, of course, in Israel. But who rules and reigns with him? The nation, believing Israel, remnant. That's when, uh, <laughs> that's when these people who say they're Jews, they need to be careful. They're not of the synagogue of Satan, the ones that are going to be deceived when he's let loose at the end of the thousand-year reign. So just notice that for later on in our study. Because, verse 10, thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Remember that. And he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, Jerusalem, which is new Jerusalem, which cometh down out of the heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Once again, I, I've already, I don't, again, want to belabor, you know, Sardis and Philadelphia and Thyatira and all these other ones. But there's a lot of language in here that has nothing to do with us. So as we continue reading on here with the last, let's look at the last church. And unto the angel of the church of Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot. I'd rather you be a good faithful servant. I'll bring that up in a moment. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Uh, depart from me. Uh, well, I'll get to that in just one more moment. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. We've already talked about the uh, nakedness and the white raiment. And anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Where do you see that verse? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and be and he with me. Now, this verse is not talking about salvation for today. I'm sorry, but it's not. Now, the Holy Spirit draws men unto him. But there's, but there's plenty of other discussions we can have about that. 
But when it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, if any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him, and he with me has to do with millennial promises. Because look at the next verse. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. There's two different thrones. There's the throne of David, which he will sit upon, and those that overcome, that open that door, which, by the way, he says he's the door. Don't try to get into the sheepfold any other way. They're going to overcome and rule and reign with him. You're going to grant to sit with me in my throne, verse 21. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Yeah, um, so that's finishing up the churches. Now, again, I try to go as much into depth as far as showing the differences between these churches and how it, you know a lot of things that are said in there just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to us. Of course, they couldn't because they have nothing to do with us. But at the same time, we can glean a lot from this. These seven churches and all the things that are written, all Scripture is profitable for reproof, for correction, instruction, and righteousness. This doesn't happen to be our doctrine. However, there's a lot of good things in here for us to really understand that we are not created, uh, uh, made a new creature in Christ Jesus to just live our lives the way we want to and continue in sin that, you know, hey, grace is abounding here, you know, might as well. No. Verse number 10 of Ephesians 2 says we are created on two good works. So, yes, you can glean some stuff. When he says, I know thy works, that you've left your first love and all these other kinds of things, yes, that's very applicable for us. That's that's very good instruction in righteousness. It just doesn't have anything to do with doctrine for us today. you got to find your doctrine in our apostle. And I don't hold up Paul and I don't worship Paul, but as he says, follow me as I follow Christ, he tells Timothy that, that things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, continue thou in those things, and give them the faithful men, those that are holding fast to that doctrine. Not to the doctrine preached upon a different foundation of the disciples and this kingdom and all these things that we want to, oh man, that sounds really attractive to me. I'd like to have a kingdom. I'd like to rule and reign. Well, we do with him as far as we are his body the body of Christ. We, we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones. But he hasn't created us for, um, as far as made us a new creature in Christ Jesus to rule and reign with him in a millennial kingdom or on the new earth he'll create, as we'll get to later on. So as we continue in the book of Revelation, we're going to keep continuing to show this. And it may, it may get like, it's almost like we're beating a dead horse here. But I really think that will help us as to understand who we are now so that when we see these differences, we can clearly say, thank you, Lord, that I'm not held to these standards or this, this doctrine here that really confuses me. I'm thankful for the fact that you've created me unto good works, but I'm not judged by my works so I can rule over thousands or ten thousands. Or That has nothing to do with it. You have saved me. You have made me a new creature in you. That's something to be thankful for, and it is so much more, so much more. I understand wanting to, you know, 
have a millennial kingdom. Sounds really great. However, what are we to do with a temple? We don't go to worship in a temple. We don't serve as a priest in a, in a temple in the millennial reign. What do we have to do with that? What do we have to do with the sacrificial system set up again? What do we have to do with the tithe system that's instituted again? What do we have to do with any of that stuff? And by the way, as my dad likes to say, and I think it's a good point, when in the world has a king ever come to do battle and brought his wife? Now, he, the sword that proceeds out of his mouth at, that, at the end of uh, Daniel's 70th week, he does all the fighting. But the saints that are coming with him, eh, I think those are the ones that are coming to get their uh, new glorified bodies at the blessed is he that takes part in the first resurrection. Just a guess. But we'll, we'll show that more as we go through the, the Bible, um, through the book of Revelation, okay? All right, let's go to some comments. I got to drink the real stuff, coffee tonight, because I don't have to work tomorrow. Let's look at uh, some comments. Uh, Sister Susie Wilson is there. Talked to your husband a little bit earlier. I don't know if you're still here with us, but good to see you. Again, like I said, leave a comment. Even if you're watching this later on, please leave a comment below. It helps uh, like, share, like and share it on your timeline. Please do that. Uh, if you're watching over there on Facebook, um, please like the, uh, the, the video on YouTube and subscribe if you haven't already done so and tell everybody else that you know. All right, uh, let's go over to YouTube and look at some of the comments here. Brother Ken says, those that are of faith and have God's spirit are considered Israel. Romans 2, verses 28 to 29, cross-reference. Romans 2, 28 with Romans 3, 1. Okay, not speaking of us, but of the nation of Israel. Amen. He says, understanding division brings much peace. Romans 5, 1. Actually, that brings up something. Yeah, let's turn over Romans 5, 1 real quick. Yes. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But you can read that over and over again. By whom also we have access by faith into his grace, wherein ye stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Yeah. Good one. All right. And he's talking about Romans. He says here, Romans 2 is speaking to Israel. Potentially so. We'll get into more of that later on. <laughs> one at a time here. All right. Sister Cindy is over there on Facebook. Sister Cherie is watching. Hey, and she said, see, sorry. The sister Cherie said that she shared it. It's hard to say. See, she sells seashells by the seashore. <laughs> I don't mess it up. All right. And Brother Dave says, I'm here. And uh, Sister Cindy's also there over there on Facebook. Good to see you all tonight. All right. Well, I think that's about it. I went. I went a tad bit longer than I normally do, but what, next week we'll get into uh, you know the verse, very first verse of chapter four is like after this I looked and behold a door was opened into heaven. Um, there's that door again, and the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking to me saying, "Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter." And uh, not to give it away for next week, but some people say that this is the rapture of the church. And we're going to show why that that is not the case next week. Don't worry. I haven't gone pre-wrath or anything like that. All right. <laughs> so 
we'll, we'll pick it up next week. If that's it with the comments and concerns and questions, always remember you can hit me up at uh, ltmbiy at yahoo.com. Once again, that's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. Please like, share, and subscribe all the different platforms, whether it be Facebook, YouTube. Um, I rely on word of mouth because I'm not monetized. They don't boost my algorithm just because they want to be nice, especially for somebody that studies the Bible and teaches right right division. <laughs> it's not something that they're going to promote very much. So please help me do so by telling everybody you know. And also you can um, – all the audio podcasts are always available, so please go, whatever your favorite podcast platform is, please subscribe to Let This Mind Be New Ministries podcast wherever you like to find your podcast. all right? Uh, da, 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 da. Brother Dave Wilson, okay, here's another comment. I was just revising my notes and verses that I use when presenting the plan of salvation. He says he's not using verses from Revelation anymore. That's good. Amen. <laughs> that is very good. All right, thank you, thank you, brother Dave, for that. Um, I can always count on brother Dave for encouraging words or just jokes throughout the day. I appreciate you, brother. Let's keep reading and learning and studying and rightly dividing as we continue to not only study Revelation rightly divided, but studying your Bible. Okay, the entire thing. Study to show thyself approved. Uh, edifying. Thank you, brother. Oh, thank you, brother Ken. Praise the Lord. I appreciate that. All right, that's it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and get off here and go ahead and end it for tonight. Love you in the Lord. God bless you all. And uh, I'll see you again next week, Lord willing. Bye for now.